Welcome, guys, to another episode of the All Is Podcast with me, Luke Barnett. This podcast was invented for me to learn more about the world. I felt like as I became a good fighter, the better I got, the less, I, the more I had to learn. Not the less, the more I had to learn because the world's so big out there. And it's the same when I've transferred over to business now and, and the real world, if you want to call it that. Um, the, the more I'm learning about all these things in, in life, I feel like I know so little. So I bring on interesting guests to talk to them about different topics in the world and I try and learn along with them and they get to teach me things and hopefully you guys learn as well. Obviously, you probably can notice that I am impeccably dressed. Uh, that's because our guest today is also impeccably dressed, so I thought I'd try and keep up with him. Right, let's get going. Daniel. Luke. What do you find harder? Convincing people to improve their internal dialogue or convincing people to get eight hours of sleep? What's harder? Oh, that's a great question. Convincing people to change their internal dialogue or get eight hours of sleep. So <clears throat> I think the hardest thing is to, the hardest, one of my favorite quotes is, the hardest work in the world is to think the way that you want. And most people don't think, they just have mental chatter that's going on in their head. And because we're trained from a very early age to believe what we see, and we're not trained to think and to use our mind to our advantage, as you know, as a professional fighter, right? So uh, for me, the hardest challenge for, to help most people is to change the way that they think. Anyone can accept, oh, I need to have eight hours of sleep, but most people aren't aware of how they think influences their entire reality, right? And I, I imagine you experience that as a professional fighter because everything is about all about mindset, right? So it's sort of, for me, the biggest challenge in coaching is rewiring someone's mindset. But when their mindset is rewired and it's more positive, it like, makes everything else easier. Sleeping better, having a better diet, going to the gym and so on. So it's, it's the root of everything. Yeah, I think that's something that people always struggle with is, is I, for me personally, I think that's when my life evolved the most is when I understood the importance of the words that I was saying to myself. In fighting, you get that you need mental toughness, you need to be strong and resilient, especially when it comes to fighting, and you train your mind for that moment and for competition, and they talk about getting in a zen state, right? So just before the fight, you try and, you know, you have all the, I had this whole routine that I would get myself into, into fighting shape for, and that walk when you're walking to the cage. But then the rest of your life, especially as well, you're English as well, so as English people, we have like a self-deprecating society, if you want to call it that. So being positive and being like, I find it quite an American trait, being like, yeah, it's like, not doesn't come to us naturally. And I think if you allow that, outside of fighting, for me, my real normal life, I was very much like that. I didn't have a positive internal dialogue. I found it very difficult to think a lot of myself. Now people might think I'm an arrogant prick, which is, it comes a little bit too. But I think it's better to be a little bit of an arrogant prick than to be self-deprecating and, and, and hate on yourself all the time. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I always think pragmatically, what's, what type of mindset is gonna serve me the best? Is it the one where I think the best of myself or is it the one where I don't think very much of myself, right? And <clears throat> if you think of it very tangibly, like to go after your goals in life and achieve what you want, what's gonna serve you more? Is it thinking higher of yourself or is it thinking like you're a piece of crap? <laughs> which is gonna only lower your self-esteem, right? So, but as you, as you rightly said, our society conflates being arrogant and not being too big for your boots and all that kind of crap with positive thinking, but they're actually two different things. I think that's something you have helped me with a lot. Um, like uh, from our discussion, I've known Daniel three years maybe now. <laughs> and um, I feel like from our, through our discussions and our conversations, I always found that you were a guy that could draw information out of me that I would never tell anyone else. For some reason, I, we, when we sat down and had coffee, I would just tell you my whole life story. And then you would say to me, like, you'd reshape my past in a way. In, in, in your, you would say, well, that's not a negative thing. That's a positive thing if you look at it like this. And you have a good understanding of, of like, the lens that you look at life through. And I think that's such a powerful thing to do. And now I feel like I've, I've gained a lot of experience from that. And I feel like I look at my life in a much more positive lens. So... Where do you think you get that ability from or that, or that skill set from to be able to, to reshape the way people look at themselves? Well, everyone has that ability, right? So uh, human beings, we have high mental faculties. There's uh, five or six of them. So there's perception, reason, intuition, your will, and your memory are five of them. But we rarely use them. We're never taught how to use them, right? So, for example, you can use your memory to think about the past or you can use your memory as a form of visualization to think about a future event and remember it over and over and over again. So for example, maybe you use memory as a tool to visualize yourself winning in the ring. That's a, that's a way of using your memory, but for the future. But what we do is we use memory for the past and we only think about the past over and over. So it's, we're not using our mental tools 
to the best of our ability. And so perception is one of those. Perception means that we can change the way that we look at something. So I don't think it's necessarily something that I can do. It's like something that's open to everyone, but we're just not aware of how to use it. We, we don't use those faculties often enough because we're not trained to, we don't think about it. My favorite quote is one from uh, Henry Ford. He said, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Yeah, perfect. I mean, whether you think you can, you can't, or you're right, is, it's so basic and distilled, but, it, but it's absolutely perfect and, it's and true. simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and so it, true. It's, even if you think you can do it and it sounds obscene to anybody else, you still have more, even if it's 0.0001% of achieving that, it's still more than saying, I can't do it. That's zero, right? So it's like, I think people seeing that as arrogance, I mean, again, as the English people do, I think uh, that's a total negative, negative performer for us and we cannot grow from that. I feel for me, you just said perception and memory. Memory, yeah. Yeah, so... I think I, without knowing, now you've explained it to me, I'm, the whole reason I started this podcast is to learn little things and I think I do that, I've done that naturally my entire life, well not my entire life, but during my fine career definitely. And something that I've done as well is I've looked at my memories and looked at them from different perspectives. So the perception that I have of my memories has always changed. And if I repeat that over and over again, so if I have a bad memory, a negative memory that's holding me back, that's stopping me from being good at something because in my mind i believe i am bad at this thing because when this thing happened to me it gave it had this knock-on effect i mean it takes a lot of retrospect thinking right but i look at that now and i change the perspective of that thing and i make it positive and i over i remember that over and over and over again until that thing that happened to me becomes a positive thing and it improves the way i deal with that in the world it's like a I don't know where I learned this, to be honest, but it's something that I, I, I've really looked at the, the bad pain points in my life, the moments that have really sent me down bad paths. And I thought, why did I do that? Why did I make that bad decision? And I've tried to change the perception and the reality of that thing that happened to me because what I have realized is it does not matter if I am lying to myself about the past because all that matters is my future. The past has already happened and it's past me. The future me wants to become the best version of myself to do that. I need to control my past, you know? And, and some people think that's lying or deception or whatever it is, I don't give a shit. Memories are subjective anyway. So there's a lot of research to demonstrate that our memory, a lot of our memories are false, so that they're made up. So if we think that a lot of our memories are false and they're not based in reality, then why don't we change them? You know, we've got the ability to do it, but we often think that we don't, or we often give our memory, we think our memories are like objective fact or objective reality when they're not, and when they're tangible and moldable, why not use them to your own advantage, right? Well, I've, I've physi physiologically proved this point because I knew you were gonna bring this up. And I have set in this studio a fact that you guys believe because of perception that is not true. I look exquisitely dressed, but really, I'm wearing shorts. So from the uh, top end of the, the podcast, I look, I look like the man, but underneath, yeah, I got shorts on because I knew Daniel would be wearing a suit. Daniel looks good underneath. He's got the proper stuff on, but uh, I couldn't bother to get all dressed up to, to work at a podcast studio. So yeah, uh, so you never know what's going on. You never know reality. It's all down to perception, the way things are seen, what you think of things. And again, what I believe and what Daniel believes, and I, I know that is our life comes down to how our mind perceives things that happen to us. So you are in control of your mind. If you're not in control of your mind, you're not in control of anything. And you can't, you, you're just having emotional reactions to things that happen to you, right? Well, when these things that happen, what people are really saying is that I'm, I'm reacting in a, in a way that I've been conditioned to react. And I'm not choosing to think, I'm not taking, we all do it because we're all human, right? So we're gonna react and get triggered by certain situations, but as you quite rightly said, the way that you rise above them is starting taking a moment to think and think, how can I actually respond to this situation? How can I choose to view it for my benefit? But what happens is we're not in the habit of taking a moment to think, okay, how can I choose to view this situation? How can I take the attitude towards it that's gonna benefit me most? Because at the end of the day, <clears throat> you can have a life that you really enjoy or you can have a life that you really don't enjoy. And it's 99% of it is based on the fact that how you, how you choose to perceive your situation. Uh, the tool that I use, or I like to talk about mechanisms. I like that word. I'll start using it a bit more. But I like to use mechanisms, things that you can put in place in reality to like, because there's, especially with the content that's being put out there, I feel like there's all this positive content that's out there, but there's no actual like tangible things mm -hmm. that you can do. So that was a great, what you just said was great. The way you perceive things in your life and how you react to them, all great. What Does I, it serve me? 
does it serve you? So what I like to do as a tangible action or a mechanism in my mind is we all believe and we all understand, or it's common knowledge that you can see someone else's perception of or someone else's problems. This is why we had like, in fighting, you have a corner. And I think I've got my hands up and I'm winning the fight and my corner will be saying, hands up, watch the right hand, whatever it's gonna be. You get advice from a third party perspective. And it's very easy when you look at a relationship you think, why is this girl with this guy? Or why is this guy with this girl? It's very easy to, and they come, people come to you with your problems. And it's very easy for you to go, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, do this. But your own problems are very hard to solve, right? Because you have all the other issues. So I, what I try and do as a mechanism is I try and come out of my own body and look at myself from a third person perspective. So I try and right now in this zone right now, I could sit here and I could see myself looking at myself while I'm talking to you. And looking from that third party perspective, it's much easier to make decisions that aren't attached to emotion, aren't attached to reason, whatever it is, they're just gonna be fact. Like, okay, he's doing this, this, and this, the best option to do is this. And I think that's a good mechanism if sometimes if you struggle, people talk about meditation and they talk about all this, again, esoterical stuff that it's very difficult to understand. Meditation is basically just thinking, it's nothing else. People try and make it complicated and there's all these apps and all this bullshit. It's like, for my meditation is I just sit there and I come out of my own body and I look at myself from a third person perspective, which sounds pretty esoterical and bullshit, but that's what I do. And from that position, I make decisions that impact my life because I feel like I get better perspective. You said memory and perspective were two of them, right? Memory and memory and perception. Perception. Yep. Okay. Perspective, perception. perception. Same, Same word? Yeah. Okay, Similar. Cool. Similar. And then what, what were the other three? Uh, reason. Reason. Intuition. And will. Using your will. Okay, okay. So that, that's actually how I describe this guy. So I, I think of myself as two people. Well, three people, but two people. I think of myself as me, my body, my mind, and then this third person, this guy over here. So I said I think of myself as two people, but then I described three, so it doesn't make any sense. Mind, body, so spirit. Let's do it again. Kind of, mind, body, and soul, or mind, body, mm -hmm. spirit. So I think of myself as three people. So those three people are going to be my body, the flesh, the eye, the vehicle that I live life through. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to be my mind, the one that makes decisions and deals with data that comes in. And then the third one would be my will. And that would be the, the one that's overlooking my life. And that's the person when you're in the morning, 6 a.m., your alarm goes off, you have to get up, but your mind tells you, oh, it's comfortable in bed. Your body's warm, it's, oh, it's comfortable in bed. But your will says, get up. Like, that's the guy that controls your life. That's the guy that decides if you achieve what you want to achieve or you don't. And I try and listen to the third guy as much as possible. But it's, that's why for me, meditation is listening to that third guy. Coming out my body, being this third guy and looking at my life and being like, you're going down this road, I want to go this way, but to go this way is going to be tough. Okay, we need to do that. So yeah, it's, uh, for me, I, I think we have the five. I'm going to go back over these five because they're interesting to me because I, I don't know anything about this. So you, we've got perception. Reason. Reason. Memory. Memory, intuition, intuition, will, will. There's so, another one, but I forget. But those are the five main ones. Yeah. Well, I keep forgetting memory, so it shows that my memory, my memory is good for the future and for the past, but for right now, it's not so good. Uh, perception, and we went over will. So reason, what, what, what does that cover? Uh, it's using your mental faculties to decide whether something is like for your benefit or not for your benefit. You could say logic is another way of saying it, but I think that logic is is not as objective as people think. Logic is based on your conditioning in your beliefs so it's actually quite more subjective than people think people think well this is the logical conclusion but your logic is determined by your past experiences and your beliefs and stuff like that we like to think it's objective but more often than not it's not yeah more of it's to do with how you're raised yeah 100%. where you come from in the world your religion maybe the sixth one spirit or religion Could be. Or, yeah. I, I, I don't know i don't know okay so that's your reason and then what's the one that we're missing we've got intuition intuition okay so well, i think we all know what intuition is right your gut your feeling of your gut or I, I, everyone has, I think everyone has experienced intuition in their life but I think most people don't know how to tap into it or haven't because it's, it's like anything it's like a skill that you have to practice on a regular basis right in order to be able to tap into that voice and hear that voice because it doesn't speak it's as they say it's like your intuition whispers right but your the ego side of you is the one that's like a little like a little chihuahua <laughs> barks the loudest whereas the the German Shepherd which is the intuition it doesn't need to bark it's already strong and it knows, but you have to, I think in order to get in touch with it, you have to spend time, uh, like you said, like in silence on a regular basis and meditation is a form of intuition because you're getting in touch with that. Yes, we, I spoke about this on another podcast. I love bringing up other podcasts I've been on because that's what I like, I learn things. Uh, we had a, one about spirituality and we were talking about 
the relationship between and everyone took this as like I was this super religious guy. I'm not religious. Yeah. My, my family are religious. You know, I'm not religious. Um, my, I grew up as Jehovah's Witness, and now I'm, I've explored a lot of religions along the way. But I'm not, I'm not religious. I believe in a higher power, but I don't really know what it is. And on the podcast, we were talking about that connectivity between you and God, and how you and the spirit or you and the higher power is only obtained by time on your own thinking and connecting to the universe i'm a bit woo woo kind of energy sometimes every now and then but like i feel like the more that you can connect to the universe or you can connect to that higher power the more self-belief that you can you can generate because you understand yourself better and i'm not making some big thing but in my my eyes god or the holy spirit or whatever you want to call him the the, the higher power is you it's all again comes down to that third person, that decision. So if you make that connection with God, you're actually reconnecting with yourself. And by connecting with yourself, you have more energy or more power to achieve what you want to achieve. So I, I think what you just said, like a lot of that, why I think Muslims are so driven and powerful people is because they pray five times a day. And praying five times a day is basically meditation five times a day. So they are driven like on their goals, on, on gratitude, on all the things that you need to be that are missing in this world now because of the digitalization of the world and everything that's going on and all the different distractions you get and your phone and all this crap that you're distracted by. Like they are more connected to themselves because they pray five times a day. What do you think? 100%. I mean, uh, there's one of my favorite books called The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace D. Wattles, and there's a chapter, I think it's chapter seven, and it's about gratitude. And he says that gratitude is the bridge between you and God and you and spirit, basically. It's the energetic frequency that you need to be on in order to really tap into that. So he said that the more that you have gratitude in the life, in your life, the more that you have like abundance, prosperity, and basically all the things that you want in life, because that's the, the frequency of spirit is gratitude. So prayer is a form of gratitude, you could say as well. So. Pray, I mean, pray in the way that Christians, like Christianity does it, which is like kind of a, a form of begging or pleading. Or then there's prayer, which is like, oh, please, God, please give me that. Or it's like prayer, which is a form of gratitude, which is like, thank you, God, for, for blessing me and giving me all these things, right? So I guess it depends on your perspective. But I think the more, certainly I've found, the more gratitude you have in your life, the, the better your life gets, to be honest, because you feel more tapped in and more connected. So I totally agree. What was the name of the book? Uh, the Science of Getting Rich by Wallace D. Wattles. The Science of Getting Rich. I like, I like that. I'm going to have to read it. But that, so that brings me to like one of my points. Obviously, your background is about getting rich. It's about finance. It's about boring numbers on a spreadsheet, making money. You work for some big company. I can't remember the name. Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs. Everyone's heard of Goldman Sachs. Again, my memory needs a bit more engaging. Um, so you work for Goldman Sachs. You're in finance. And then you completely recreated your life and you went into personal coaching first in like fitness the fitness industry yep. um and now you're helping people find their you know why they're here and what they're trying to achieve with their life and improving them as people right so how has that transition gone for you from being in finance on spreadsheets to then dealing with people because i so i don't know what you did in goldman sachs uh, but you seem extremely talented at dealing with people and communication well, when you speak to people all day, every day, you have to get good at communication because uh, for my coaching business, I have to speak to people, right? So basically, it's a form of practicing speaking to people every single day. So I speak to people all the time and they're like, oh, I, need, I want to improve my social skills. Or how often do you actually get out to speak to people? The reason why you don't have very good social skills is because you don't practice it on a regular basis. So I think it's just, it's like anything. It's like if you practice it on a regular basis and you're consistent with it, you're going to get good at speaking to people. Um, I also think that often a little tangent, but getting good with people is about being interested in other people, like being genuinely interested in other people, right? And so, you know, when you speak to someone, you know when they genuinely want to listen to what you got to say, when they care about what you've got to say. And that's, that's, where, that's where I've struggled you know? in the past. I've <laughs> well, asked questions that have been like, yeah, I don't really give a shit about this, but I'll ask anyway to try and be nice. And they always see through it. Never yeah, matters. Always, always. Yeah. Everyone knows, like subconsciously, they, they know what's, they might not be able to articulate what's going on, but they know what's going on. They can pick it up. Just right? not on this podcast. I just mean in general. No, no, life, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, if you speak to someone who's distant and they're not quite there, even though they might not be on the phone, they're there, but they're not there, right? You always know. And so I think that when you take a genuine interest and you care about speaking to people, then it's just it's easy to develop your social skills. But I find that people who don't have very good social skills, they have all these negative beliefs. I don't like being around people. I hate people. I was like, how's that working out for you? Not very good, right? So uh, for me, I've always enjoyed speaking to people, always found it easy. So whether I was in finance or whether I do coaching, it's always been simple for me. But 
uh, what was the question again? How did I get into, fi into finance? No, so how do you find the transition from, I mean, I want to know what you did in finance because never, you never asked you the question, but you worked for Goldman Sachs, but I don't actually know what that entailed or what you did. And then going from that to now your business that you have now, helping people become better and achieving what they want to achieve in life, like what's the, the contrast for you with the way that you live and how you enjoy it and, and everything that you, you've gained from it? To be honest, I think it was more about, uh, it wasn't about the environment, but it was more about my level of awareness and self-trust and believing in myself. Because the only reason I got into, to be honest, the only reason I got into finance in the first place was because I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do in my life. I knew I wanted to be my own boss and start my own thing, but I didn't have the confidence or belief that I could do it. I think it was because I grew up in an environment where my mom was a nurse, my dad was a teacher, and no one in my family had ever been a business owner or anything like that. I knew nothing about it. So for me, the, the jump at that time to, the, to make that jump or that leap into something which I knew nothing about when I was never surrounded by, it was, it was like, it was almost as if I couldn't even conceive it. Believing it, it didn't even come into it. It's just like, I couldn't conceive it. I thought, okay, I get this job in investment banking, get paid well and had good career prospects. But deep down, I knew it wasn't, it wasn't who I was and I, I always felt like a bit of a, um, I felt like a bit of a robot and I felt like a drone going to work every day and I knew like, it just wasn't who I was. And it, there's, there's this always this, uh, ongoing conflict. Every single day I went to work, I was just like, it was eating away at me. It was horrible. It was like eating away at my soul. And I was like, I can't do this to myself. Because I was doing it for like four or five years. And gradually with each passing year, it got progressively worse. And I was like, I can't, if I carry on living like this, it's, I'm literally going to kill myself because I hate it. Because I was just being not being true to myself. And for me, a big an important value is being true to myself and like going after what I want in life. So I decided one, at one point, I'm like, you're either going to do something about this or you're not. So I saved up some money and I decided like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna quit this. So I, I did it within a couple of months, I saved up enough money. I think I had like 10,000, 15,000 pounds, something like that, not a lot of money, to be honest, in the grand scheme of things. And I just quit my job and I left it. I didn't have a plan, to be honest with you. I just wanted to, I just wanted to start my own business. So I left and then it took me, probably took me about a year from that point. I mean, I did a few bits and bobs in between, but once I really committed to coaching, it took me about a year to make my first money online. And in between that time, I just saw my savings going gradually down and down and down and down. And then I was just doubting myself and thinking, can I really make money online? Can I really do this? You know, can I really be my own boss? Maybe I was an idiot. I shouldn't have left that cushy job at Goldman Sachs. But I knew like that's what I really wanted to do with my life. <clears throat> and for the first time in my life, I was like, I'm going after what I really want in my life. And that made me feel like, even though I didn't have much money in my account and I was losing all my savings, spending it on all sorts of stuff, trying to figure out how to make money online, I felt like more alive than ever. Because even though I was like secure and comfortable in my job in London, I didn't feel alive. I just felt like dead inside. And even though I didn't have much money in my account, I was like, I'm going after what I want. I'm on an adventure and life's exciting. I feel like you spoke to probably everybody listening to this podcast yeah. when you said that, because I, know I, I had a similar, I haven't, I've worked for myself since I was 19, worked for myself. I was a professional fighter for 17 years, so it's slightly different, but it's still, I, I had this discussion a few times recently. Um, oh, you know, now you're an entrepreneur, post-fighting, how do you feel about it? I was like, no, 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 no. I was an entrepreneur before I was a fighter, and fighting was a part of my entrepreneurial journey. Again, recalibrating my brain and going back and looking at my past and maybe changing it a little bit, maybe lying to myself a little bit, whatever it's gonna be, to, to, to formulate this thing, because, then it's not, I'm doing something brand new and I'm becoming an entrepreneur and there's no challenge with it. I've been doing it my whole life. It's easy, it's what I do. I, you know, I found fighting and I excelled in that. Now I'm gonna excel in this. That's kind of how I looked at it. But I think you, when I started out at 19, 18, I was working marketing in London and I used to get the train there, training bag, like soulless. It was horrible. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people listening to this will understand what that's like. And I think trying to find what you wanna do is an extremely difficult thing. And I think everyone has that fear that they're gonna quit their job, they're gonna lose all their savings, they're gonna be broke and they're gonna be a loser. But me personally, my belief, I would prefer to chase what I wanna do, be broke and become a loser than to never do it ever. And I think that's the big difference. The, I, I'm super fortunate because my dad was an, was an entrepreneur. Like he worked for himself. He had his own businesses. You know, he was a, a bit of a go-getter or whatever. He was a photographer, but he did, did his own thing. So I had kind of like a, a North Star to follow. Like my dad was self-employed. I could ask him any questions about banking and all the complicated things that you have to do. You didn't have that. My wife didn't have that. Her dad worked in newspaper, mum worked in Tesco's, something like that. So it's like for her to go off and try and do something on her own, was, it was impossible. It was so difficult for her. She did some 
makeup thing, but she, she went off and did that and it, it's extremely challenging. So for you to do that and then become the entrepreneur that you are, like that challenge and that leap is huge. But if you never took that leap, you would just be behind a desk, you know, in London or wherever you were, Manchester, I don't know where you were doing. Yeah, London. Yeah. In London, working in London, getting on the train every day. You might have some money, but I think when you make some money, you also realize how unimportant money is and how all the other factors of your life uh, are so much more important. When you're lying to yourself, it doesn't matter how much money you're making. It's like you're not being, your soul, your spirit knows when you're lying to yourself. And it's just like, you can't hide from yourself. You know when you're lying to yourself and it's the worst feeling in the world, to be honest, because you're doing, doing it every single day and you know you're doing it and you can see yourself doing it, but you're too scared to cut the core because of all these fears that you've got and living in a lack mentality where you think, you're not real, what you're really saying is when you're doing that, I don't believe in myself enough. I'm not betting on myself enough, but if you don't have the courage in you, who then who? I think that's the, that there is like, if you don't believe in yourself enough, to take the leap to do something that you want to do with your life, then no one else is going to believe in you. Like, it, it, I had a separate journey and I obviously did the same, very similar thing. I gave up that marketing job that I was just talking about to sleep on the floor to become a fire. And for two, three years when I was sleeping on the floor, I was a loser. People thought I was insane. Like, they were like, what are you doing? You had a cushy job in London, marketing. That's what my friend said as well. You, know, you haven't got anything lined up. What are you doing? I mean... <laughs> I, I was chasing a passion. So I went to fighting and that was my passion. You were a bit crazy, like you're going off and not knowing what you were going to do with your life, but you worked it out. But I feel like I always said, like I prefer to be a, a broke guitarist, like with the dream of becoming a rock star and actually on the street busking to try and become a rock star than working a job. Like I think if you have that vision and you know what you want to be, that is what you should do with your life because that's so rare. For me now, the more I live and the more people that I meet, it's so rare to meet people that really know what they want to do with their lives. They're like, like me, fighting, boom, I want it. I'm going to go after it, all in. Like I said, quit my job, moved and slept on the floor for a couple of years and became a fire. <clears throat> and I think it is inevitable that you are going to get that thing. That's what I'm trying to get to the point. Like if you really truly believe in yourself and you have the backing and, and, and you truly believe in yourself and you work as hard as you can physically work, it is impossible to fail. You're told that you'll fail. You're told it'll be tough. You're told that you have no money, but money doesn't mean anything. You sleep on the floor, work as hard as you can, just, just, just go for it. And eventually, however long it takes, you will achieve what you want to achieve, which is what you did. And it, like you said, it took you a year to even make it your first bit of money and see your savings go down. Your friends telling you're an idiot, you should have kept your, but you, what do you think made you have the resilience or the mentality to, to do that? Great question. So a couple of things. First of all, you said, most people don't know what they want to do with their lives, right? And I think it's such a good point. Because um, I remember in my 20s, I probably didn't, I didn't spend hardly any time thinking about what I really wanted from life. Because you know what? I didn't think, I don't think that I had the belief or the ability to even conceive that I could do whatever I wanted with my life. That I had the mental faculties and I had the ability, which anyone does, to go after what I really wanted in life. I don't really recall in my early 20s ever sitting down and thinking, what would I really love to do? How would I really love my life to be? I do that all the time now. Like, what, I, what would I love to do? And I know that I could do it because I've done it before. But when you've not done anything like that and it's a big leap of faith, it's like, and you get all this, the inner critic comes in and says, who are you? What do you think you're blah, blah, blah. Right, so I think that's the first thing. It's like having my clarity and actually sitting down. I remember just like being so busy in my day-to-day -day life, which 99% of people are probably watching this are. It's like kids, like mortgage, work, commute. I haven't got any time to think for myself. But if you don't carve the time out to think for yourself and think, critically about what I really want, you'll th spend half your life thinking, I don't really know what I want. But the reality is you haven't really sat down and thought about it, right? So I think that anyone, if they have the, if they actually sit down and think what it is they really want, they can have that clarity. But without, you can't have the courage of conviction if you don't have the clarity. I think to know after, when you had that clarity, it's like, I know what I want. And it's, it's, it's much, even it's not easy to summon the courage to go after what you really want. It's much easier when you have something to go after because you're like, okay, I'm going to go after that. I might not know how to get it, but I know that's the thing that I want. And I think that people don't have the courage, summon the courage because they don't have the, the clarity of what it is that they really want. And I, for me, what kept me going was that I, my dream was to live on a laptop and travel around the world. That was my dream. I was like, I cannot go back. Like, looking back, that was like a bit of a lack mentality, to be honest. The, the more positive way to look at it would is, would be I'm creating this dream life for myself and that's gonna keep me going. And to be honest, that's a infinite form of energy and motivation. It's always gonna keep you inspired. But my motivator at the time, because I didn't know any better, I'm fucking not going back to working in a bank, 
to getting on the train every day. And that kept me going for long enough to like, to maintain the momentum because I really hated the idea of being told what to do by someone I didn't like or didn't respect or being in a job I didn't like. To be honest, my colleagues were really nice and everything was fine. That's like the worst, most dangerous place to be in where Comfort. everything's just comfortable and it's okay. So yeah, I think you touched on a really important point. I think a lot of people need to utilize negativity to get to positivity. So your negativity was, I don't want to go back to working in a bank. I don't want to do that. That's a negative. Going away from pain. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're running from something. Negative, negative, negative. But I think that's almost like the rocket fuel that gets you then to the point where you can convert to being positive. I'll try and talk about this in a financial way. It's so easy to say money doesn't matter when you've got money because you don't have bills coming in, you don't have people saying it. So it's like when you say having a scarcity mindset, you don't have a scarcity mindset, go, oh, you should take risks, blah, blah, blah. It's easy to say that when you've got a little bit. Absolutely. When you have nothing, you need that negative mindset of I don't want to be broke for the rest of my life to make some money. Then once you get to, to have a little bit, a little bit in the bank, whatever it's going to be, you need to then switch your mindset to an abundance mindset. There's money everywhere. I'm going to go after it. Rather than thinking when you're broke and sitting there like, oh, these people told me to have a, you know, an abundance mindset and I, there's money everywhere. Cool. Get past the first step of the ladder first and work your ass off. That's the, the difference. You said... Um, people say they don't have time to carve out bullshit. Absolute bullshit. Look at your phone. Look how much time you spend on Instagram. Look how much time you spend on Facebook. Look how much time you spend on YouTube watching us because we're amazing. And really think about, do I spend 10 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day thinking about myself? You know, or do I put my headphones in, go on the train for 45 minutes? What are you doing for 45 minutes on the train listening to some podcast or listening to some music? Think, just have no music on, have a notepad out and write out what you want to do with your life. There's, time everywhere you know when you really realize I, I, people always say life is short and there's no time i think life is long and there's loads of time and again that change of perspective gives you more freedom and i have found the more successful i've become in, in my life in lots of different facets has been by carving out more time for myself to sit there and do nothing and that's when and think about strategy and think about where my life is going and think about what i can do with my life and and, and my purpose and why i'm here and most of the time, it always comes down to family and trying to make connections and friendships and all that sort of stuff. And it comes down to none of the material bullshit that you get fed. And then understanding, I made a video on this, a YouTube video about like everything is marketing and you are sold everything. Understanding what do you actually want? What do you want from life that you actually want and not what the world is telling you to get? Like these things are not important unless there is a deep rooted reason for it. And then maybe you need to solve that deep rooted reason right even if that comes down to doing what we were talking about earlier where i go back in time in my mind utilizing that that the thing that you said the five things go back in time in my mind and i change my negative past to a positive past and my my positive past then fuels me to to live a positive life so i think people definitely have enough time to to think for themselves and and to, to spend time thinking about what they want their life to be they just uh they just never been they never thought of it because the whole system is built against us. I mean, you, yeah. Um, the One of the best things that you could do in your life is actually taking the time to think about what it is. What would I, as I said, as you said, what would I really like my life to look like? How would I want it to be? And as you quite rightly said, it's like, unless you take that time to sit in silence and, and think about what do I really want, you can't separate yourself from the noise of the world and what are your opinions and what are other people's opinions, right? Because most of what your beliefs are are probably hand-me-down opinions from other people, from your parents, your friends, teachers, the government, the media. And so how do you know what you really want versus what's a belief that's been programmed into your head, right? And I see so many people that are afraid to take that leap of faith and go after what they really want in life because they're holding on and clinging on to a belief that was put in their head by somebody else and they're not aware of it. So I need to pay the mortgage, I need to stay in this job. But there's guys who are still working at the same bank that I quit who were holding on for redundancy payment. In case I get a redundancy payment of 20 grand, or 30 grand, 40 grand. And to me, it's like, it's kind of sad because you're holding on. I know guys who've been there for 20 years waiting for a redundancy payment of 20, 40, 50 grand or whatever, right? In the grand scheme of things, it's not a lot of money compared to the quality of life and the time. You can't get the time back. You can always make money. If you get a good business and start a business and go after what you want, you can make that in a month, make it in a week. But these people have got such a, the, this mindset, this, we call it a matrix mindset, right? This, these beliefs that have been given to them or handed them down, they're not serving them and they're holding on to them and it's costing them everything. 
I think, I mean, that must be what you deal with day in, day out, I was going to say, um, through your coaching and everything that you're doing. What do you think the number one, when you deal with clients, what is the number one thing that's holding them back in their, in their own minds that they, these things that they're creating, what, what is it? So it's their, it's their paradigm about what's possible, for, like, just like we've been spoken about. <clears throat> it's the paradigm about what's possible for them. And if you want to know what your paradigm is, your paradigm is your collection of unconscious beliefs and habits, right? So they may not have necessarily been, these beliefs may not have been put there by you, but it's your responsibility to change them and create new ones for yourself, right? And so these, this paradigm comes in and tells them, well, you can't leave your job or you, you can't get coaching because you've got to do this, this, and this. And it's like, they don't, it's, as you quite rightly said, they find it difficult or challenging. It's normal because we're all human, right? To separate what that paradigm is, these negative beliefs that don't serve them versus who they are and what they really want. And so I think spending, the more that you can get in tune with you and understand what you really want, then it's much more, it's much easier to go after what you want in life. But I think it's very difficult though, unless you have people in your life or you have a coach or a mentor or something like that, as you quite rightly said, the third person who can hold a mirror to you, it's very difficult to be objective with yourself. So I found I've got coaches in my life, had coaches, had mentors, as, you, as have you, had you in fighting. And I've benefited from it immensely because it holds up a mirror to you and says, look, this is how you're thinking. This is where it's holding you back. And this is where you need to change your mentality or your perspective. And I think if you don't have that in life, it, unless you're an extremely perceptive individual, someone like Andrew Tate, for example, who's extremely introspective and, and, and um, perceptive, it's very, very challenging. So I think that everyone can benefit from having a corner man in their life. I think... The reason he's like that, and the reason I'm like that, and the reason I think most people aren't, is because when you have 50 plus professional fights, the first fight you ever have, you make loads of mistakes, like everything, everyone. You crap when you start. And those loads of mistakes that you make, you watch back on video and you think, oh. It's like when you watch it, when you, when you make a video, or you do your first podcast, you do it. Cringe. You cringe. It's horrible. We first watch your first YouTube video. Horrible. First interview. I remember the first time I got interviewed and I'm like, yeah, I yeah, still yeah. remember, actually thinking about it, I still remember the first time I walked into a cage. It was in Southend on Sea, my first amateur bout. And I walked in and I remember now, because when I watched it back, the camera angle of me, I stood still, like, and just. I remember I had a mouthpiece in it. I, I just remember it because I looked gormless, like a, a retard. And I was like, who is this idiot? And you see yourself like from a third person from watching that fight back and you see all the mistakes that you make. Even the walkout, even that like, I talk about there, standing there looking like an idiot. It's an entertainment, right? You've got to entertain. You can't just stand there and look like an idiot. You're on TV in, in a way. Um, and then when you watch the fight, your left hand's down, you, you swing like this, you know, whatever it's going to be. But you improve. So you look at that video and you think, how do I make this better? Okay, so now I need to keep this hand up. I need to make this footwork. I need to improve this, take down defense, whatever it is. You analyze and you improve. And you do that again, refine, again, 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 again. And that's how you reach mastery, right? The idea of being a black belt or getting good at mixed martial arts is you refine the same tools over and over again. Boxing's so simple. There's only eight punches. Maybe there's more. But in my head, there's only eight. There's probably more. Um, but you have to refine those over and over and over and over again. But no one really does, unless you go through fighting, you said about uh, tape, then you have to apply that mindset to life and look at things that have gone wrong in your life and thought, why did that go wrong? You don't have it videoed so you can watch it. That's the difference. So it's like you can't sit there and think, watch it back and be like, oh, I really messed up. When I spoke to that girl, why did she walk off? Well, maybe because I approached her aggressively or I just said the wrong thing or I was insulting or whatever it is. You know, I mean, that's exactly what I would do because I'm aggressive and insulting. That's pretty much my whole demeanor. But it's like understanding the mistakes that you make and then analyzing those mistakes and then improving those mistakes. It's basic, right? It's simple. But most people don't even take that time to analyze. And that's the difference between a good fighter and a bad fighter. But they always talk about when you're going to have an opponent, what do you do? You watch the fight tape. When you watch the guy, how many times did you watch him? What, what does he do? How does he step? How does he move? So you look at your opponent over and over again and you analyze him. And when you're analyzing your opponent... You're trying to pick holes and work out what's, what's bad about him. Then you're going to capitalize on those mistakes. So that's John Jones is the perfect example. He watches loads and loads of fight tape. So that's how he become elite. And then he writes down all the ways he can beat that person. And he repeats them over and over and over again. Again, you take that to life. And if you're going to go after a job or go after a girl or go whatever, if you envision it and you understand what to do and you take the steps and then it fails, sweet. Now I know 
I did that wrong, I did this wrong, and you can improve. But I think people don't take the time to analyze their life. They just live it. There's that famous quote. Um, I'm, my memory's not as good as yours, so I'm not good with the quotes. Uh, but it's, uh, you shouldn't work in your business, you should work on your business. I've got no idea who said it. I don't know where it's from, but I've been told it a million times. And I always say, you know, you shouldn't just live your life. You should think about where your life is going. So if you're like, it's the same thing, but just looking at it from a life, lifetime perspective. Like people don't, it, the, the, the success in business comes from working on your business, not in your business. And looking at the direction of it and strategy and all these sort of things, that third person perspective. You should have the same for life, right? If you look at yourself and think, if I go down this road, this is gonna happen. Okay, I don't wanna do that, I do X, Y, and Z. So I think um, most people struggle with that. So how do you, I've been speaking for way too long, <laughs> but how do you get them to change that mindset in them? So they, they come to you and they're like, oh shit, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And they're looking at everything badly and they're not analyzing and they're not doing these things. What are the steps they have to take like early on? <clears throat> so I, lo I always love to study professional athletes and the way that professional athletes play because, oh, sorry, uh, behave and train and, and everything. And, and obviously you can relate to this. But the way that professional athletes approach their, their training with the dedication and discipline and everything, I think we can all learn to apply that in our own lives, right? Because if we want to play life at a high level, we want to learn to apply and incorporate the same sort of strategies. So one of the, my favorite examples is like I think about Michael Phelps. So Michael Phelps, there's an example, uh, I think, Back in the early days when he started training, he was training six days a week and uh, training Monday to Saturday. And then he would get in the pool on Monday, back again on Monday. And he, it would take him like a couple of days to get back into it. And so what Michael Phelps decided to do was he decided to go into the pool Monday to Sunday. So seven days a week he was training. And then when he got back in the pool on Monday, the day after, he didn't lose any momentum. Whereas all of his competitors, they were doing it like six days a week, right? And we all know Michael Phelps, I think, I don't know how many medals he won the Olympics, but I think he's the most successful athlete of all time. And so my mentality is when I teach my clients, it's like, are you doing this stuff like one hour a day or are you doing it 24 hours a day? Not as in effort, but are you thinking like that person, thinking like the individual that you want to be? Because <clears throat> it never switches off. So I'm a big believer in, you, you and I have spoken about this privately, but I'm a big believer in we were rewiring your mindset like as much as you can. So one of the things that I get my clients to do is like, what are the beliefs that you have? So the results in your life, um, if you want to look at what your beliefs are, you all, all you have to do is look at your res um, results, right? So if you earn a certain amount of income, that's based on the beliefs that you have around how much money you're worth or you deserve or how you view business. If you want to look at uh, your beliefs around fitness, or you have to, in your if you look at your results, then that tells you your beliefs, whether you think you're lazy, you're not very consistent, or you are consistent, you're disciplined, etc. So your results will tell you your beliefs. And so if you want different results, you have to create new beliefs in your mind. And I always think about how can we rewire them as quickly as possible and saturate the mind with this idea that I am this person, even though I might not see the results to see it. And so one of your examples from fighting is I have, uh, what was it? I have limitless cardio. I have incredible cardio. I have endless energy. I have endless, there we go. And so you, had, you were known for having some of the best cardio, right? And you, did you listen to that on a regular basis? I would say it to myself every day. So I would listen to it every day. And then I, it would come to me. That phrase, I have endless energy, would come to me when I start to get tired. Another thing that I would say is uh, the tighter I get, the more dangerous I become. That was another thing that I used to say, which is definitely true because I'm very, very controlled. And then the more tired I get, I'm a bit more sloppy. But it's, well, it's true because you think it's true, right? <laughs> yeah, and then, exactly. So it becomes so more dangerous. You're basically, you're teaching your nervous system how to behave, right? That's basically what you're doing. So you're training your nervous system to be able to operate despite the fact you feel tired because you're giving yourself that command your subconscious mind and, and that's how your subconscious mind works it it takes you it follows your commands right I, I the endless energy thing that command um i have i used that i used it today literally today i use it it comes to my brain every single day because i push myself very very hard not just in like physically but mentally as well I've had a crazy day today i've driven for like four hours i was driving here and i was like i was like i have endless energy and all of a sudden you're like this you know, you become powerful because it's, again, you're rewiring your, yep. whatever you just said, whatever the scientific stuff you just yeah. said, that's what <laughs> happens. So um, it's, an it's an affirmation. Everything is an affirmation. Uh, every word that you speak is an affirmation to yourself. You're just not aware of it, right? Yeah. So if you're aware of the fact that you're talking to yourself and using affirmation, you may as well use them for your benefit, but most people are using it against themselves, right? Because they don't understand that what they're saying is reinforcing what they don't want. 
most people are giving attention to what they don't want. Oh, I never have any money or I'm always broke. Well, guess what? That's an affirmation for your life. You're, maintain, you're perpetuating that situation because of the way that you speak to yourself. It's an affirmation, right? So we may as well create the things that we want in our lives by affirming what we do want. So I'm a big believer in just affirming what you do want in as many modalities as possible. So I always say to people, pick the modality that you serves you best. So whether it's listening to it, whether it's writing it, whether it's speaking it out, to be honest, I do a combination of all three because I think it's the quickest way to get it into your mind. But I, this is the number one thing I do with my clients. The first thing is because the reason why you have the results that you have or behave the way that you do is because of your beliefs. So we need to change them. But that doesn't mean we can sit on the couch and do nothing, right? Obviously, we can't just sit on our ass and say, well, I'm going to change my beliefs and do nothing. The quickest way to change your identity and your beliefs is to take action. So you've got to do it, as you know, take in conjunction with taking action and getting in the ring, even though you're scared doing it. You might say that you're the best fighter in the world, but if you don't get in the ring and spar, you're still a pussy, right? So you've still got to take the actions in conjunction with the beliefs. But in my experience, they go hand in hand. I think um, for me, I have a, a little story about this. So... We talk about modalities. I mean, everyone learns differently and you can be tactile or you can learn by sound or whatever. But for me, modalities, I, I'm a very positive person, like extremely positive, especially my mind. And I thought like, I, I have a bulletproof mind. You know, it's actually one of my affirmations. And at the beginning of this year, I think it was January or, or maybe February, I lost my voice because I like to talk a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, I did two commentary gigs for back to back. I also ran a seminar for four days and I got, and I, I went drinking with Tristan and got very, very drunk. I got sick. Um, and yeah, that compiled over anyone seven would. days, those seven days that yeah, anyone would over that seven days, I grew a polyp on my vocal cords. So I had to have surgery. And after the surgery, I was unable to speak for two weeks. I wasn't allowed to say a single word, which is a very challenging thing. Bliss. <laughs> yeah, it's bliss. <laughs> my wife said the same thing. Um, but what I found is because every morning I wake up and I speak to myself, I say my affirmations, I, I have this whole routine and I lost that for two weeks. Um, and it's, you said about, I don't know how you worded it, about action getting you out of situations. And for me, if I'm in a bad mood, I would say out loud things that improve my mood because I have these inbuilt systems or these mechanisms, I like to use that word, these mechanisms that sit in place. So if I start to feel tired, I'll say I have endless energy and that will give me some energy. It's a trigger, right? It's a trigger, right? But I lost that ability. So to make the action, of just the action of speaking aloud, like you can think as much as you want, but then when doubt comes in and these negative, because it always does, it's the most positive man in the world, these 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 emotions come to you and all these things i would dispel them straight away by speaking aloud and i couldn't so i found like my mood became a bit uh, cloudy you know like i couldn't get rid of it I, I, and that's when i realized the power that had been taken away from me if you don't realize how you said every word you say is an affirmation everything you say out loud has an impact on the universe i believe that 100% and I believe it even more now because that ability was taken away from me for two weeks and I felt a little bit down couldn't speak it sucks you know, so, like, so when it when you can't do that I couldn't direct my mind so your mind and your voice they work like in hand like I could direct my own mind just by speaking aloud I don't know if you've seen that, that there's some test about laughing forced laughter I, I, I don't know the exact study. I was hoping that you would. But That's me laughing at your jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, forced laughter. But um, no, like they would make people just laugh. You know, you just have to try, pretend to laugh, pretend to laugh, pretend to laugh, pretend to laugh. And then they would like measure mood. And I'm sure someone can write in the comments the study and explain it much better than me. But just forcing yourself to laugh puts you in a better mood. The action of pretending to do something. So if you understand that, you understand the power of words. And the one thing I want to touch on, because you said about modalities, I believe in speaking, but I also believe in writing. And the simple way, if you look, something that I've started doing is looking at words and where they come from. And, and if you go back to the, how they were basically written. And if you look at the word spelling, it's spell-ing. You are writing spells. So you, that, that's the power of the written word is a spell. You are spell casting. So, if you're going to write down a spell, everything you write, you, you actually goes deeper into your brain than what you say. So when you write something down, if it's positive about yourself, you are going to, you're going to, you know, uh, internalize that information. When you internalize that information, it's only going to improve your exterior life or your external life. And I think people have really, you know, forgotten this. It's become a forgotten skill. 
And I think if you can, I, I, I hate quoting Connor, but Connor came out uh, and said, if you have the confidence to speak to the universe, said something like this, this is gonna be a, a bad um, quote, but it was something along the lines of, if you have the confidence to believe it, to say it out loud, and to go after everything you've got, it will come true. And that's what he said when he became double champ. And it's like, if you have the confidence to say it out loud, you truly believe it, it will happen. And I, I, I if you could, first you gotta believe it, like you said, that's the hard part for a lot of people because they have these mental blocks. Once you believe it, you need to have the confidence to say it to other people. As the Bible says it, right? Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find, right? Okay, okay, we're getting religious now. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Well, but the Bible is the original metaphysical book, right? So the Bible, wrote, they wrote that, I think it's that, is it Matthew, I think? It's like thousands of years ago. It was already written out, them saying it like that. So it's like, when I, the more I learn about the mind, the more I realize actually the Bible and a lot of other religious texts are just books to, manuals to teach how to use the mind. But because it's written in stories and... They wrote in the, I think they wrote in those ways, in those terms, so people could understand it back then. And obviously people understand stories better than anything else. But the more you, the more you understand the mind, the more you realize the Bible is, talks about affirmations, how to use the mind. You know, it's, it's incredible. That's why I think a lot of people think reading the Bible is a religious act. Mm -hmm. But I think if you just read the Bible, it's like the first ever self-help book. Yeah. That's how I look at it. If you look it. at it through that lens, it absolutely is. So yeah. if you read it as a self-help book and you look at the, the different characters and the trials and tribulations they go through and the lessons that I learned from yep. them, and it's just an incredible book that people have now, it gets a lot of hate from different fractions or whatever, or people think, oh, I'm not going to do that. That's, why would I read the Bible? Yep. You know, a lot, especially now. And it's like, forget the religious part, forget God, forget all that stuff, just read the book. And it's super, super, super interesting. Um, and how it's cut down into the chapters, New Testament, Old Testament, all that sort of stuff. I was raised... Religious, so I had to Me read too. it. And, too, yeah. You know, so I, I know a little bit about it. But anyway, um, yeah, I think the power of the, of, of the modalities and what we speak and what we talk is super, super important. So that all comes down. Let's, let's, let's get um, more 2023. Let's go into the past. Like to image the way you look, the way you feel, your energy, the way you dress, everything. Like you're, I, I know I dressed, dressed up today because of you and I kind of made a joke out of it, but it's not a joke. Um, I know you truly believe in, in like keeping up an image and, and, and being like dressing well and, and being well, speaking well and everything. Like what, what's the emphasis behind that? <clears throat> so I think that changing the way your appearance is the quickest way to change your self image and what you think of yourself, right? So um, everything, that you, everything that you possess or you have in your life emits a kind of frequency or an energy, right? So if you want to have positive things in your life, because you can only attract what you are, right? That doesn't mean you have to wear expensive suits or a Rolex or stuff like that. But I believe in those things. I believe in wearing nice clothes, wearing a nice watch and things like that, because of the way it makes me feel not about how to impress other people. Obviously, that's a nice side effect, right? Impressing other people is a good thing, I think, because <laughs> your whole life is dependent on your relationships with other people. So why not impress other people? People like talk about that as if it's a bad thing to try and impress other people. I'm not looking to impress other people because I feel insecure, but it's a nice side effect, right? Why not? But the, primarily the reason I do it is because it increases my self-confidence, my self-esteem, my self-worth, and how I feel about myself. So why not? And people would say, oh, that's a bit... Um, people might sit, sit there and say, oh, that's um, insecure or that's shallow. But I mean, the way that I see it is like, you want to take every advantage that you can get in life. And notice the only people who say those things are actually super insecure themselves and don't look the way that they want, don't dress the way that they want. And they, these are the same people who say going to the gym is vain, dressing properly is vain. In my experience, my opinion, everything that you can do to make yourself feel good about you is only going to increase your attractive magnet, so to speak, uh, your energy, your frequency. And so the better you feel about you, the better your life is going to be. It's very, very simple, right? So me personally, I identified early on that I feel good when I dress like this because I like to dress like this. I, it's very simple. I like it. I enjoy it. So why not make me, myself feel good? And so when I dress like this, I like the way I look. I feel good. I feel confident. And so for me, it's just a, it's a, a big part of benefit and it's a part of my self-image. I think um, energy, high frequency, the words that you use there for me are super important. I, I wanted to take that a step further when you talk about the way you dress. I believe all the same things. I also believe dressing casual. Like when I dress casual, I still try and look good. I'm yep. not like they're just like shit. But I think the more effort and energy, and that's why most people, this is why I believe most people shit on it, is because they can't be asked. Yes. They're lazy. It requires and effort. It, it requires effort. It requires so much effort to be fashionable, style, custom suits. Thoughts. Thought, time, it requires time and effort, but the more energy and effort you put into the way you look, the more you project out. 
to the world. So I think it's abundance. Yeah, the, the abundance of, of what do we say? Like the one X energy that you put into something gets ten X out, right? So if you're, as you said, if your life, which you believe it or not, if you want to agree with it or not, your life is dependent on how other people view you. That is it. Your life, the, the path you're going to take is dependent on how the rest of the world, what they think of you, right? So why not give yourself the best chance and project the best image to get the best out of the world? Because that is what you are going to be judged on, unless you're Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg, and even they're still judged. But they, 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 they surpass that. But if you're down here on the tree, you need that help. You can't change your genetics or who your parents are or where you were born, but at least you can control that. And I think... Like you say, dressing well, and I've experienced it as well, and taking time. And, and I mean, I, I was when I was 17, 18, I started a clothing store. I've always been into fashion. I've come back to it since fighting, but it's the quickest ROI on anything you're going you're gonna to spend. And I think one of the big changes, again, talking about the way that you talk to yourself, is I used to think I don't want to waste money on clothes. I don't want to spend money on clothes. Now I look at it as I'm investing money in myself. That is, is, is a very small change. Absolutely. But when I invest in a suit, I am getting 10x back from what I put into it. But if you don't look at it from that frame, you just think, oh, yeah. and I'm not, again, we don't spend money on suits, whatever, whatever area you're from, whatever style you're into, whatever it is. If you take the time and the energy and you project it, this is what it is to me, is... When I take the time and the energy to, to get a custom-made suit or to get something custom or specific or buy a nice pair of shoes or whatever it is that I really, really want, I then have to live up to being the man that deserves that thing when I wear it. So when I wear it and I walk around, you are going to be quite like, oh, look at this guy. Who's he think he is? Well, I think I'm this guy because of X, Y, and Z, because I have to uphold that image. You know, you can't like I said, have a Rolex, have a custom suit and be a bum. It's not possible. So you have to keep that level. So I think it's a physical manifestation of your mental mind. You said the body, the same with the body, like is a physical manifestation, manifestation, physical manifestation of your mentality, right? Of your mind. That is what the body is. If you're lazy, whatever it is. So the same with the way you dress It's a physical man, man, manifestation of your, of your, your mind. So I want that to be as clean and as highly represented as possible. So I think the, energy that you put into things, you're just gonna get it back and back and back. And I've found that. And I found that more, just wanna to touch on something else, so you, can, you can touch on it too, with social media. Because I used to be the guy, everyone will disagree and think I'm lying, but I used to be the guy that hated it. And I would do it as like a- You're lying. I'm like, I would do it as like a, I thought it was a responsibility. When I was fighting the UFC, I'd take pictures with my mates and put it online and have no thought to it, have no intention with it, have no energy, no time spent on it. And I was like, quite a bit, I, Twitter, Twitter, it was Twitter back in the day when I was in the UFC. So I used to tweet a lot and I actually quite enjoyed Twitter and I'm back on it now. I never, I wasn't for a long time. But then when Instagram came along, I would do it, but I would just do it, because, same as everyone else. I would do it meaning, no meaning in it. I would just do it because it's the thing to do, take pictures with my mates and upload them on Instagram. I had no direction, no thought, no nothing. And about seven months ago, eight months ago, maybe, maybe longer, 10 months ago, I had a chat with one of our friends, Ben, about Instagram and the utility of it and what we, everything that we just said about the way that you dress and the way that the world views you and it giving you opportunities and time. And it's like, Instagram is a new business card. So if your Instagram is on point and you are projecting the most value you can on Instagram and it's as real as it can be and you are the, actually that person and your Instagram is perfect, then you are going to attract attention because of it and it's gonna bring positivity to your life. If you are downplaying it because you think you're too cool to be, you're just lo losing opportunities. If you're downplaying the way you dress because you think you're too cool to dress up, you're just losing opportunities. If you're not going to the gym because you think, oh, it's vain, you're just losing out on opportunities. It's a cop-out anyway. It's a cop-out. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. It's all a cop-out. It's all a cop-out. So for me, I think the physical manifestation of your mind is in the way you dress, the way you walk, the way you talk, the, how your body is, what your Instagram looks like. All these things are just manifestations of, I mean, is Instagram physical? No, it's digital, but you get what I'm saying. Like it, it's all down to, it's just downloading what's in here into the real world. So I think that's something that people need to get over. I don't know how they get over that. Maybe you know. Well, uh, to what you were saying about uh, being physically fit and dressing better, uh, why would you not want to do that? Why would you not want to have a better life, right? All you're basically saying with that is that I don't want a better life and I don't want to be the best version of myself. 
So you can call it what you want. Oh, I don't have the money or blah, 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 excuses. You can dress. If you've got a nice physique, if you dress in a H&M T-shirt, you will look good, right? So there's so many different ways to do it. So if you're sitting here, like I did a tweet a few months ago, and it was like, I was thinking, I put a picture of James Bond, and I said, guys, what's stopping you from dressing like this? And I, I think about 8,000 people replied. Most of the men who replied on it said, I don't have enough money. I don't want to impress other people. I was like, well, good luck being a loser then, mate. You know, because it's like, that's, that's literally your choice how to dress like that. I, even when I worked in like the crappiest job or like the start of investment banking, I didn't have a lot of money. I still dress well every day. I didn't spend this, the money that I spend on or invest, as you said it quite rightly, on uh, clothes the way I do now. But I, I still made myself look nice and presentable. And uh, going back to the example of James Bond, right? Do people like James Bond because he looks like a bum? Would they look at him the same way? Absolutely not, right? James Bond, people like James Bond, men especially, women like James Bond, men like James Bond, because he thinks very highly of himself. He's always dressed impeccably. He's got great one-liners. He's, he's, he's like extremely competent in all areas. He's like the ideal that every man aspires to be. And I think if a man is sitting there and looking at something like that and saying that I don't want to be like that, then they're just not being intellectually honest with themselves. I think the bet, like amazing. We said it's incredible. I think the best way to take it is you're hijacking the mentality that like every person on the world is programmed. Doesn't matter how you look at it. If you want to talk about the matrix, you want to talk about whatever, doesn't matter. But everyone is programmed from the day they are born, from every bit of information yes. they download and they read and they see and they hear, you are programmed. And that, that turns out to who you're going to be. Everyone's programmed the same. The man in the suit is making money. The man on the street in a t-shirt is a bum. That's, it doesn't matter how you look at it. So why not take advantage of that and put yourself in the best situation and dress the part so people are going to be like, oh, this guy, well, who's this guy? And that's exactly what happens. And that's what happened with me with my Instagram when I, when I really put effort into it, the way that I dress when I put effort into it. People pay attention. They listen to you. You've got, you're the same person saying the same things, but your voice just gets louder because they think, who's this guy? I think um, tapping into that mentality that is pre-programmed into people is so powerful. And I think that's why dressing well is the, is the quickest ROI you can get because it's like you said, you can shop at H&M, you can shop at Zara or whatever, buy a suit, not that expensive, 100 quid, you can look the part, especially if you're in shape, then it's, it's easy, you know? So that investment is not massive. And I think, I think the same with time, and this is maybe younger guys watching, if you're at a basic job and you wanna get, you wanna get um, what do they call it when you've got moving promotion. level? Promotion. I've, I've never been promoted, so I don't know, because I've always worked for myself. So. If you're, if you're in a basic job and you want to get promoted and you want to move up the ladder and you want people to look at you differently, then just show up early, dress the part, better than everyone have else. Have a nice haircut. And have a nice haircut. Put time into the way you look. Put time into your communication, the way you deal with your, your colleagues, yep. like you said, and stay late. If you're the guy that turns up to the office every day an hour early and you leave an hour late every day and you dress, and the, you part. dress the part, there is no way you're not going to beat yeah. everyone else because everyone else sucks. Everyone else is waiting for the clock to come because they're, they're not hunting. They're not pushing. Dana said this. Dana White said this recently. He said, uh, if you are 1% savage, or t then you are going to run over everyone else in the world right now because everyone is so soft That's all that and, video. Yep. and they, don't wanna, they don't want it. They don't want to push it. So if you're complaining about not having money, you're complaining about not being in the position in life you want to be, all you got to do is show up an hour early, leave an hour late, dress the part, get a haircut, you know, and, and be able to communicate with people. And you, there is no way you can't win. There's no way because everyone else is waiting for the clock to finish so they can go out and have a beer. And that's not the way to live your life because, and this is just an example, if you want to move up that, that ladder, maybe you want to go work for yourself or whatever you want yeah. to do, but you still have to have that drive to work for yourself and go off. And, and another thing I was told recently, I'm talking a bit of rant, going on rants today. I don't normally do this. Um, you know, you will listen to, you, someone else, most people, not you, not me, but most people will listen to somebody else more than they will listen to their own mind. Mm. If you're, you say to yourself, I want to get in shape, I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow at 10 o'clock, you will not do it, most people. But if your boss tells you, I want you in 9 o'clock tomorrow, otherwise you're not going to get paid, you will do it. Because the ROI you think on listening to someone else is higher than listening to your own mind. And you think not going to the gym doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Pain versus gain. There you go. And you're... By lying to yourself and not following through on the things that you tell yourself to do is the reason that you are not achieving what you want to achieve. You don't have very high self-esteem. You don't have a high opinion of yourself because you never keep your word to yourself and don't follow through on what you say you're going to do. So every time you follow through on what you say you're going to do, and we're all human, right? But every time you follow through on what you say you're going to do, it increases your self-esteem and your self-confidence. So 
I think that's the e easy, best way to get ROI, quickest way to get ROI in your life is dressed apart. Quickest way to get um, confidence is to do as you fucking say. And Simple. none of it costs money. It's easy. <laughs> that's the thing. It's so easy. It doesn't, it doesn't cost a lot of money. You can go to, you can, if you can't go to the gym, do some calisthenics. If you can't dress well, get an H&M t-shirt. I mean, this, all these things are so accessible. And I think that uh, nowadays, because we live in a time of unparalleled success and abundance, because our societies have been on the up and up and up ever since World War II and before that, right? So our, we live in a time in human history where we've never had this much success, abundance, and everything like that. And I think that we have like that people have the luxury of complaining. Now, if we were sitting here and doing this kind of podcast 200 years ago, people would be like, okay, I can't afford it, but if it's gonna make me more money and I can go up in life, I'm gonna do that, right? Because you wouldn't have the luxury of saying, well, I can't do that, I can't afford it, I'm not gonna do it, right? They would have had to. Otherwise, what's the, what's the alternative? Sit in a factory and have a shit job and just not have a life and not see your family and spend 12 hours a day five, six days a week doing it, they would have been like, okay, this is what I need to succeed. I'm gonna to have to do it because I've got no other alternative. But because we have the safety net of a society where you like, you can go and watch Netflix and you can just go and go into escape, like escapism at any, any point. It's like you have this luxury of like complaining and using excuses, but our ancestors never got that opportunity to use excuses. They would have had, it's like reality, you can't ignore reality, you know? But I think we get, it's almost like we're, we're in this habit of ignoring reality. We can kind of get away with it, but eventually it catches up with you. I had a really, really good point to make and it kind of escaped my mind because what you were talking about interested me and I was listening. Um, so I'm kind of lost now, but it's okay. Um, no, yeah, I completely agree. I think now the world is so comfortable. Everyone's at such ease. I mean, you didn't even touch on benefits and all these things that you get and, and it's okay to be a loser now. It's okay. It doesn't matter. But to yeah. me, it's not. It's, no, again, it's about having standards and standards. understanding who you want to yeah. be. And it's easy to fall into the trap of not having those because everyone else is. But so uh, the, another easy way to do is just go against everyone else's opinion. Do what the herd isn't doing. Do exactly what you want to do. Simple stuff. Um, we have massively overrun because I know you're a Absolutely. busy, busy man. Uh, so I'm going to try and close it out. Uh, I just wanted to say there's a lot of information uh, all it, uh, for me in this podcast, some of the things that we said, most rants I've ever been on so far, so I was talking a lot, but there's so much dense information in here, and I think it can, you know, it can really help people and they can grow from it. Please uh, tell everyone where they can find you, because I know you're, you're massive on Twitter and you're always on it, and you're X, where it's called, <laughs> and you're always um, Xing, tweeting. X. Is it still called tweeting? I call it tweeting still. Is it, okay, is it Xing? Is that I think it's Xing. Okay, yeah. so you're on X and you're Xing an a lot. Yeah. You're an Xer. Uh, so tell them where they can find you on X and everywhere else they can find you, and we'll sure. put all the links uh, sure. below in, in the comments. But yeah. Sure. Thanks, Luke. So thanks for having me on. And uh, on X, not Twitter, it's uh, my. Uh, my username is Daniel Kelly 150. And I think on Instagram, my username is Daniel Optimized. So find me on those two. Awesome stuff, Daniel Optimized, because he's the optimized male and he's moving forward in life. So I really, really appreciate you coming on. Thanks, guys, for watching. And we will be back next week with another great guest.